Hello and welcome into this week's episode of the Recruiting Blitz. I am Greg Smith, Senior Recruiting Analyst here at Inside Nebraska. And once again, as always, I am joined by digital content extraordinaire Jansen Coburn. Jansen, how are you, man? I'm doing well, Greg. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. Like college football is back, so that's always a good thing. We had a it full slate back. of games. Yeah, we had a full slate of games yesterday. Um, we record this on Sundays, if you don't know. And then obviously Nebraska kicked off their season, which will be the focus of this. There's plenty to say there. We've got a great game uh, this evening. Uh, Florida yeah. State and LSU, top 10 matchup. I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Um, so we, we've got a lot to get to, though. So why don't we go ahead and jump right in? Yeah, we're going to start this off with some Minnesota recap. Um, let's just dive right into it. I think you have some thoughts to share, so I'll let you lead off with this first question. Uh, it's It's been about 72 hours after the game, so what are your just preliminary thoughts on it? Yeah, it, this is, has become a, an evolving thing since that game has, has happened um, because I would ask that my first question and in response to your question is, what is Matt Rule's record here at Nebraska right now? It is 0 and 1. Matt Rule is not now 16 and 32, which is what Scott Frost would have been had they lost that game, which they would have under Scott Frost. We should not be pining for him to come back. I saw that on social media. It's been one game and people have lost their minds like it's insane the level of discourse that we've seen based off of one game now that being said I understand the frustration from the game it, it, when you lose in that fashion when you had a lead and when for the majority of the game you look like the better team especially in that second half and in that third quarter in particular where I thought was there was Nebraska's best quarter, especially coming off of what happened at the end of the first half to then come out in this in the third quarter and do what fans have been pining for and a lot of people have been pining for, which is make some adjustments and get them back on their heels, get the opponent back on their heels. They were in in business then, and then it falls apart in familiar fashion. And so I get that. But there were still, we can't throw the whole game or the whole team or the whole staff out just yeah. because of it felt familiar because even though the end result is the same, and hear me again, the end result was not good. You need to be able to finish those games and win them, but how we got there is not totally the same. Like there are, are good takeaways and things to to build on from this team. If I If we go into that game, we were going into the game and we talked about it here at Inside Nebraska, None of us predicted that Nebraska would hold Minnesota to 13 points. None no, of us would have ever predicted that they held them to 55 rushing yards, right? Um, I believe Nebraska outgained them, um, which is, again, part of the frustration. Um, but you, the defense is certainly something that you can hang your hat on. And it looked like something that's portable and sustainable. That was not a flash in the pan situation. I don't think based off what the way that they played. Now you could say that Minnesota's offense is pedestrian. It might be. Yeah. I, before the game, I heard that the quarterback was great and he was going to carve him up. And there were moments, though, where he looked really good. And there were times where he looked terrible. Um, he was bailed out by one of the best catches you're probably going to see all season long um, for that touchdown that had to come on a fourth down conversion that was still a busted coverage. And that was really the biggest mistake probably that Nebraska had on defense. So lots of takeaways. People are kind of losing it. Yeah. It's going to be a wild week around here, but if we take a step back, there are things to build on. Yeah, I'm in pretty much complete agreement with you. I think I'm just blown away by the overreaction. It's just one game. I think the biggest thing I can sympathize for Nebraska fans is they're tired of seeing 
them losing the same way that they've lost in the past. Mm-hmm. It's just hard for the fans to disassociate what Frost struggled with and then separate that from what Matt Rule has struggled with in one game. And uh, you can't really tie these two together because it's just it's completely different now. So really, I think they popped this stat up on uh, the screen during the game. Obviously, I wasn't watching it on mm-hmm. TV because I was there on the field. They're like they were six and twenty-five or something in one score games. So it might now be six and twenty-six in one score games in the last five years. But really they're 0 and one in one score games under Matt Rule. And you can't you can't tie it to the past. But which really, is why I think, I think but that's why I think if you remember and you were in there for this for the for the postgame press conference when, when Matt Rule kind of sat there and said, Listen, we 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 you don't want to lose. It's disappointing that we lost, but he, he rolled down the list like, hey, we had four turnovers, um, two in the last like kind of two minutes of the game in critical times. Um, when we had an opportunity to either salt the game away with that Anthony Grant fumble or go down and kick a field goal to take the lead um with that with the interception, the penalties that they had, the missed opportunities. Yeah. So So in his mind, and that's why you see, and I feel like in his mind, he's like, okay, these are the things that we have to overcome, but it was one game and this is where we can start to build this thing. Whereas fans have now put, and we talked about this over the off season, you could see it building with all the questions about the past. And Matt Rule also tried to blunt that, remember a couple of press conferences ago too, but you could see it building that it's not his fault. But people have the baggage of the last, and it's not even five years. It goes back beyond that. You'd lump in the Mike Riley time as well. Even though Mike Riley was significantly more successful than Scott Frost, you can lump it in with that, is that people are now, it's a cumulative effect of those last two coaching staffs that's getting dumped on the Matt Rule. And he's not, in in a lot of fans' minds, he's not starting from the floor, like the ground floor on this rebuild. He needs to start, you know, on floor 10 and hit the ground running to cure all the ills that have happened in the past, which is really not either realistic or how he builds programs. That's not the guy that you hired. Or not you hired, but the guy that Trev Alberts hired. I think a a big difference, Greg, and part of the frustration Nebraska fans are having is had Nebraska lost like 38 to seven last year to Minnesota, and then this loss were different and they showed like true improvements, I think they Mm -hmm. would feel slightly better. But really, this loss looks exactly like ways that they've lost in the past. So I I think the biggest thing is people didn't see uh, markable signs of improvement Minus the defense, I'll say the defense yeah. at the very least, special teams. Look, I thought special as, teams played better too. At the very least, they looked as good as last year at the end, at the end yeah. of last year on defense, not at the start. But the offense um took a pretty sizable step back. But like like we've both hammered in, it is one game and it is one game in a 12 game season. I'm sure hopefully Nebraska fans are saying 13 or more game season. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I'm surprised by the overreaction. I understand it a bit, but I think people need to take a deep breath. And we're going to dive into how Colorado is added to people's stress later on the show. We'll save that for later. But uh, trying to take a recruiting angle on this. Uh, Last week on the show, we were talking about what we wanted to see if we were recruits being recruited by Nebraska and I believe you said first and foremost, a win. So you <laughs> yeah. didn't get your wish on that one. And then you talked about physicality and I kind of echoed that sentiment and uh, focused more on the offensive line. So with that, looking back on what we were talking about wanting to see 
uh, let you start. How did how did your hopes and wishes pan out? Yeah, I, th- I thought Nebraska played with physicality. I thought that they matched Minnesota's physicality. They did. I don't think that they lost that game because they were the le- the less physical team against Minnesota. And we, I have felt that way in the past against them. So it, them in particular, and some of the other teams like a Wisconsin or an Iowa specifically, like prior to the last couple of years, I thought that Nebraska just kind of got punched in the mouth and they just really didn't have a response. I didn't think that was necessarily the case. So I like. If I was a recruit, I would have liked the fight that I saw um, out of them. Uh, I The offensive line is interesting. The Watching it real time, I thought the offensive line was the same old, same old, and it was, and they really struggled. Watching it back, I thought they played a little bit better than I thought they did initially. Me too. And now I'm kind of like, like, man, I wish they had stuck with the run a little bit more. I am usually not that guy. I'm sorry. I know people are going to yell at me for this. I am not run the damn ball guy um, in general. That's not how, yeah, that's not how I like, just like my football. I like people flinging the ball around. Um, But I am just find a way to win guy. Like that's fine. Like, and I feel yeah. like the way that they were running the ball particular like, as those runs were starting to add up a little bit in the second half. Um, everyone wants to talk about that drive where they threw the ball three times in a row and rightfully so. Um, that was a perfect example of that, even though I would argue that they should have completed that pass to Tommy Hill. Like he had him on that. That yeah. was a poor throw. He should have completed that. <laughs> the second one was debatable. It was tipped. It was a nice play by that linebacker, I think. Um, but Billy Kemp was open on that play as well. But so I like you can hindsight 2020, I still would have preferred running the football there uh, because I think the offensive line was starting to do better. And I and spinning it forward, I'm curious as that how that plays out moving forward down the line in the season is if they have to do that in game six, we come across that same situation. Will Marcus Satterfield throw the ball three times in a row? I'm thinking probably not. Yeah. And uh, for me, I like I said, I focused more on the physicality on the offensive line and specifically how it would translate in the running game. And I did say uh, prior to the game that I wanted to see them move guys for the running back to run the ball and (laughs) not have a quarterback run game. And by and large, it was a quarterback run game that was getting them to move the ball. And Jeff Sims is dynamic. He's a good runner and I can see why the game plan for it. But um, going forward, you would like to see more um, explosive running out of the backfield from the running backs. And they had it at times. Uh, Gabe Irvin, I I saw at least on one occasion, truck the dude and yeah. you, you saw that physicality and him burst forward. So there were flashes of it. And then obviously the physicality on the defensive side of the ball was very good. Um, with that, um, a couple of true freshmen that played in the game, uh, I guess we could just talk about some of them individually who played and what we thought of their performance. Were there any guys to you that stood out that played that were true freshmen? Yeah, it was interesting. We got a handful, right? I think Cam Winhart, Jalen Lloyd, Malachi Coleman all got out there, uh, maybe missing one. Jalen Lloyd had that nice reverse, which I think that that, that to me – is they're going to have to, we, we talked to earlier about kind of, and maybe a bit off pot about offensive coordinators scheming up ways to get their, get the ball in the hands of playmakers and finding ways, especially these young guys, you look around college football and you see offensive coordinators all around the country, figure out ways to get like young freshman receivers involved, especially when you need a spark like Nebraska does on this offense. So it was good to see them find a way to do that because I think that Jalen Lloyd, who was completely unheralded as a recruit, right? Like, I think it's, it's safe to say that like he was in a very, 
very accomplished track athlete in high school. He was very good at, at Omaha West Side in football, um, but he was much more known for track. Nebraska, he's the perfect recruit for this um, coaching staff and with his track times and his toughness, um, he just needs to come along as, as being a full-time wide receiver. Um, and I think he has a bright future, but he got out there and it was good to see. Cam Linhart uh, played a lot of snaps as he started the games. Maybe could have started with him um, on the defensive line. Um, he played okay. Like I think he had a couple of plays in there. I had a penalty in there as well. That face mask where it was <laughs> it was weird. If you watch it back, and I think the announcers may have said this during the game in real time, he was held on that play. Yeah. Um, as He's then reaching back and then gets the face mask, and that happens, but it can't happen at the same time. Um, but again, he was being held, um, and as fans would say, was this another game in which holding was not called um, <laughs> against the opponent? Uh, and I don't want to go down a conspiracy rabbit hole. Um, and then Malachi Coleman got out there for a couple of snaps. You're going to need Coleman or um, Jalen Lloyd or both, or even um, Jaden Doss when he comes back. Based on what we've seen from just in game one from the wide receiver core, and we're waiting to hear back on Garcia Castaneda and what that injury is and the long-term prognosis, it doesn't sound good early. Um, they're going to need those guys. And I know we've talked to Matt Rule a lot about this in the off, in the preseason, right? And Matt Rule seemed like he got to the point where he was like, man, we don't want to have to count on freshman wide receivers. Um, but I think they're going to have to count on freshman wide receivers to give them some juice to the offense. Um, and we saw a couple of them this week. Yeah. Um... I agree with you on all of that. Uh, first off, with Cam Linhart, I think the fact that I didn't notice him too much is probably a good sign. He wasn't it's a, a liability call. out there. Yeah. Um, with Jalen Lloyd, it was too small of a sample size to make too much of a judgment on him, but I can kind of see the vision they have for mm -hmm. him with uh, just utilizing his speed. And I think his biggest impact on the game was like a seven-yard carry on an end around. And if they get a little better blocking on that. I think he had a chance to bust it right. for an even bigger run. So um, the speed, I see what they're trying to do. They just need playmakers. Uh, I mean, putting out, putting Tommy Hill in the game and throwing it deep, that's because of Tommy Hill's speed. They thought he right. could take the top off the defense and they're, they just need to develop those guys. I think um, this is going to kind of blend itself into the next topic, which will be the 2024 class and how they fit what's needed but um, I think they've got some future playmakers. They're just young and need time to develop. But um, that's kind of a good way to go into this next topic, which I just mentioned. So I'll let you, I'll let you tackle this one first. Oh. Just sort of analyze the 2024 class and look at what they've got and what you think was missing from the game and how these guys fit what is missing and can help be those missing pieces. Yeah, I think that it's funny. we're going to stay with wide receiver. And it's so funny because I feel like every year we're talking about, oh, did Nebraska take too many wide receivers? How many wide receivers do they need? Like they need to go for other positions. But every year we look up and say Nebraska needs more playmakers at wide receiver, right? So you need to keep bringing them in until they figure this thing out. And that to me is one of the top things in it, that this coaching staff has got to figure out is how to get the more playmakers infused into this offense. And you have to, to me, you have to start with Ja'Cory Barney out 
out of Florida, um, a wide receiver that if you've seen kind of his early highlights from his season down in Florida, they look great. He's tearing it up down there. He's a great wide receiver prospect. They have got to hold on to him because the because part of the thing with him being so good and people knowing about him is he is not under the radar. Uh, Miami clearly trying to still recruit him. The other Florida schools, it wouldn't be surprising if they got they got more involved with him as well. But Nebraska is going to have to fight tooth and nail to keep him in the class. Um, and I think to me, he's become like kind of one of the guys that's a, a number one priority to just continue to recruit as if he's not even um, in the class already. And then also on the offense, I'm going to stick there because this is where I think the, the issues have bubbled up so far um, is Keewan Lacey, the running back out of Texas. Another guy that I think he had another 200 yard, three touchdown game this weekend down in Texas. He's a really talented running back and he would look great um, in Nebraska's offense. And then as far as development goes, we talked about this with kind of in the offseason after that big run over the summer with all of the recruits that they landed about how we kind of like the offensive line, the clay that they have there at the offensive line yeah. group, right? And I don't know what guys that are going to come in and play right away, but they are kind of building block guys that I think that you can build up and have potential. That's going to be important as well because they're going to have to continue to get better along the offensive line because otherwise nothing else is going to matter if they don't continue to build that up, um, especially if it looks like now, for now they want to go away from having a quarterback that runs the ball as much as Jeff Sims. Just look at Danny Kalen while we did see him run quite a bit um, and it was weird. He's a passing quarterback. So you're, you're going right. to need to have that offensive line that can hold up in pass pro and open up lanes for actual running backs. Yeah. I don't have too much to add as far as the 2024 class goes, but I will say that I think, even in the 2023 class, the true freshmen, I think they have what they need as far as missing mm -hmm. pieces. Those guys just simply need the time. I really... And sometimes that, and that happens, sorry, that happens though. Like the way that they're kind of building this thing, that that's to be expected, right? Like we didn't think, even though they've gotten more contributions early from 2023 recruits than I think we expected, right? You don't think that you're going to have a defensive line starter out of your, out of a recruiting class and another guy on the defensive line in the rotation and Prince Will and some other guys like Ethan Nation and, and Boodle that are, are right there, right? Mm -hmm. You don't expect that. So they're, I think ahead of schedule, the problem is and it dovetails back into what we started off talking about which is that patience right you can yeah. see the vision are are people going to allow them to, the time to develop this thing the way that will make it a, a long lasting sustaining thing because i like you said you've said it a couple times i've said it a couple times you can see what they're trying to do it's whether or not they can actually get there yeah and i i think as good as like the defense played and at times the offense played Still up front, uh, you'd like to see more pressure generated from the defensive line, and you'd like to see more push generated from the offensive line. And I think yeah. that they recruited a lot of guys in 2023, especially on D-line. My goodness, uh, yeah. I could name Big about eight or nine guys on the D-line that are true freshmen. And then four, maybe five, I can't remember the exact number on the offensive line. And those guys just simply need time. And uh, this the staff has an opportunity to develop those guys over the coming years. And you just hit on it. It's it, can people be patient to let them see it through? Well, whether they like it or not, I think Trev Alberts is going to be patient enough to let them see it through. So <laughs> yeah. I think rules got enough time to try to let his uh, labor, the fruits of his labor bear, but all right, that's enough on Minnesota. We got 
one more topic and it's kind of a reaction to Colorado, which has gotten <laughs> Nebraska fans even further stressed out Uh reaction and preview. So I'm sure you were watching the game as was everybody around the country. And there's a lot of people talking about that game. There's just so much buzz and mm-hmm. for good reason. So what were your early thoughts on the Colorado TCU game? Yeah, I think first of all, you're, it, surprise at how good Colorado looked. I'm trying to think of the right way to say that. Um, yeah, I, I, I was surprised at, at, at yeah at how well they operated given the, the huge amount of new players that they had, the question marks surrounding whether or not Shadur Sanders was was worthy of get, just getting handed that quarterback job. If Travis Hunter would be able to do the things that he did at Jackson State, even though he was the number one recruit in the country, like I think. I don't want to say people forgot that, but it did feel like it was a little weird uh, the way people were talking about him, but no one's going to mistake that anymore. Um, The same way with Sanders, the quarterback, I think that, you know, people will be kind of on alert for how good he is now as well. And, but to see TCU kind of give up that many points on defense is shocking just because they're just known as a program that is much better than that on defense. Um, and then you get kind of what you alluded to, which is kind of the angst of Nebraska fans um, after seeing that performance. And it wasn't even after seeing it. It was yeah, happening. A during. lot of why can't we do that kind of attitude yeah, I'm seeing. Like a lot of that. Like in and I kind of I do get that frustration. Because it does seem like what they did was completely flip that offense around, got a really good offensive coordinator and figured out how to then kind of move the ball, obviously quite a bit. You set a school record um, for passing yards in a game uh, with over 500 passing yards. And so, yeah, I I get that. Um, But thinking ahead to the actual game with Nebraska, it's going to be a fantastic matchup just because stylistically the teams are, are so different, right? Yeah. I think that the the game within the game of Tony White against their offensive coordinator is going to be really fun to see how that matches up. Um, I also think that going back to, you know, your favorite phrase, run, run the damn ball, can Nebraska do that? That is really, to me, early here where it's Sunday of game week. That is the early huge key to me. If Nebraska can run the ball consistently, and it, man, their defense was soft in the middle. If they can run the ball consistently, control the clock, make this a Big Ten West type of game where Colorado only has, if we get to halftime and Colorado only had three possessions in the first half, Nebraska's cooking with something, which is what happened to Nebraska in the first week against Minnesota. Make this game a Big Ten West game, and you, you've got a shot. I'm so glad you just said that because that's that was really my big takeaway watching TCU and you just you talked about the stylistic differences and I thought TCU they gave Colorado a lot of possessions they TCU went warp speed on offense and they Mm -hmm. scored fast and so did Colorado and that's just the style those teams play on offense Nebraska is going to be much different they're going to play ball control Um, and you talked about how they really are the strengths and weaknesses of both teams are inversed where I think Nebraska's strength appears to be their defense. Colorado's strength appears to be their offense. And then everything I just said in reverse, Nebraska's weakness is probably the offense and Colorado's defense. While they do have some playmakers on defense, especially in the secondary, Mm -hmm. I'll be curious to see how they hold up. If Nebraska tries to come out with a strong running game, with all of this being said, we've talked about this being one game, so I am just going to try to temper my expectations for both teams. We don't know yeah. how good Nebraska or Colorado truly are. We don't know how good their opponents truly are. Maybe maybe Minnesota 
is a Big Ten West front runner. Maybe they're not. I remember last year when Nebraska lost to Northwestern in the first game, I thought that Northwestern <laughs> was going to win the Big Ten West. Yeah, so. a lot a lot of people, you weren't alone there. <laughs> there yeah. were people that thought that, yeah. So I would just let it play out. It's, it's going to be a fascinating matchup. I'm going to ask you one bonus question, Greg, on okay. Colorado's use of the transfer portal and just your thoughts on how it pay, it played out. Did it take you by surprise, like how perfectly the offense was executing things, how well they kept their composure because it was a back and forth game. And that's not something you would typically expect a roster of all new guys to kind of keep their cool when it's a when it's a back and forth game like that. Yeah, definitely surprised by that because I thought that that would be their big Achilles heel, especially early on in the season, is that if things got tough, it would be hard to kind of keep them together because you just haven't had that continuity. That is a testament to Coach Deion Sanders, right? Like if you want to give like him the hat tip for that and kind of building a, a culture and a team that just didn't wilt in that situation and was able to kind of hang in there and go punch for punch with TCU, who was in the college football playoff last year, I think he definitely deserves credit for that. Um, and so, yeah, I but I am surprised by that because I thought that bringing in that many new players would be something that you just wouldn't be able to have any continuity um, or be able to have kind of that, that stick together kind of a situation there and they definitely had it um and so hats off to them and I'll, I'll be curious if it long term if that works for them this year and it ends up to where you know say they win eight or nine games they make a bowl game obviously they contend for the for the conference championship um in that case who's the coach in, in the next cycle that's going to then try and do the same thing right because it's a copycat league right in, in the nfl and in college football and so if that works for him somebody else is going to try it as well uh because that could be the big picture thing uh but we got to get there first but one one quick shout out on the game i want to make sure i say this too on this come upcoming game quentin newsom versus travis hunter monster mm -hmm. matchup in yeah. this game if we talk about quentin newsom as a pro Travis Hunter definitely looks like a future pro. This is a huge game for Clinton Newsom, and one of those that when people are looking back on his tape to think about whether or not he projects to the NFL, this is the type of game that they're going to look back at. Um, so a huge opportunity for Q. Yeah, agreed there. Going back really quickly on the, my thoughts of Colorado's use of the transfer portal, there's sort of two schools of thought there. First, I was amazed that it doesn't seem like they had any misses as far as offensive playmakers. Usually okay. when a guy leaves his program and transfers to a new school, while they're at times highly touted, it's there's usually a reason why they're transferring and it's that they might be a bust or whatever the case may be. And it didn't look like any of the playmakers on Colorado's offense were misses. They were all executing at a high level. I think they had three guys go for 300 yards receiving Dylan Edwards, true freshman looked outstanding. Kansas and, I, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Dion I know Dion had said that he had a handful of guys he thought should be front runners for the Heisman I'll just say that Shadur and Travis Hunter definitely had Heisman like moments throughout the game and then a second thought on this is I think this approach this massive roster overhaul would only work at a place like Colorado and I know there was a lot of criticism for Dion going that extreme but um it's hard to say that with the roster they had last year, they would have had a chance to be competitive in their division this year. So um, I think those changes were necessary and at least they gave themselves a chance bringing in that many playmakers. Um, last things I want to throw at you, Greg, you were out at West side this weekend watching 
Uh, we both predicted West Side would win uh, the Class A <laughs> yeah. state championship. Did they look like a team that is going to be contending for Ooh. that state title? Oh boy! If I'm if I'm in Class A, I'm I'm nervous. If I'm some if, if I'm another team, they look great. Um, and the thing that you and I have talked about both on here and kind of just talking in general about high school football this year, the problem for other teams, the good thing for Westside is that they have a bunch of dudes that are big, fast, strong, that are really good football players. They just have them all over the place. Like you look at them and they just look different than other high school teams in Nebraska. Um, they were, <laughs> they're a really talented team. I primarily focus on the big three guys, their top three prospects, um, Caleb Benning, Teddy Rizak, and then Christian Jones. The 2025 Rivals 100 linebacker. Um, they all impressed me. Um, they all played very well. Caleb Benning, I think it has to me be now become underrated. Um, and where he is, um, he, he's a he's a really talented player, and they find great ways to get him involved on offense to also utilize his skill set. Um, he's the captain of that, a captain and quarterback kind of of that defense, um, and he just makes plays all over the field. Rezac, um, Notre Dame commit, um, boy, he'd look perfect in that Nebraska Rover role. I, I know that I, people are gonna be mad, but he would look great. Um, in that spot and I think that he's going to be a real player to watch in the future at Notre Dame he's going to need some development some time in the weight room but he's a great athlete and then Christian Jones the best prospect on the field um, is a really talented player he's a rivals 100 guy for a reason um, tore it up on the camp circuit now he's putting it together um, on the football field as well he was flying around I tweeted out a great catch that he made um, kind of from the wide receiver position as well um, yeah they're a loaded team I can't wait to go out next week and see them again because I'm going to see them play Bellevue West and kind of a huge matchup uh, with a lot of future uh, D1 players. Yeah, quick shout out to Bellevue West who won against Burke. I think mm -hmm. uh, 41 points on the board. So I didn't get to that see offense it. Offense waking up, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like they are uh, making up lost ground. Greg, that's all I got for today. You got any closing thoughts? No, I think we, we said a, a lot and enough. Um, I'm sure people will have enough to uh, discuss and talk about here in the comments. Make sure you leave a comment. We appreciate you all. Also, yeah. make sure you like this video and subscribe to the YouTube channel so you can get these videos directly into your feed. Also, pop over to InsideNebraska.com. Um, give us a, a subscribe over there as well for all the great game coverage, um, all the coverage we had of Volleyball Day in Nebraska as well. Jeff Extra did a great job with Jeff that. Extra. Yeah, shout out to and Jeff. And you, you. You got some great shots out I know you're too yeah, large to brag about it. So yeah, on. it was. We had some. We had some. Some good moments there. Um, in that one as well. I appreciate it. Uh, but pop over there as well. You know, everybody's buzzing on the insiders board about all the things that are happening with the team right now as well. As we're here, Colorado Week is here. We're here. Colorado is coming. coming. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we will catch you guys next time.